My first one. It's tough. I just pray he makes better decisions than I did. Amen. Get a witness on that. Well, it's a very special uh, day for me. If you have your Bible, we'll be in First Timothy, uh, the same passage that uh, Colton read, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Um, there's a few things I want to do before we get there, though, but uh, this is, as I've said, a very special day for me and Angie on February uh, the 6th, uh, 2004. Right, Angie? I always get that wrong. 2004. Mary was born just right after that, so I get confused. Um, Shelby Logan Hazard, Jr., uh, the first grandchild of mine, my siblings' generation, was born into the world in Arlington, Texas, and I became a father for the first time. His birth was difficult, really difficult. Uh, we didn't know if he was uh, going to make it, but the good Lord brought this handsome red head into the world that I have called jokingly since he was born as Loganator. So like Terminator, Loganator, get it? Okay. That little heartbeat on the sonogram, I remember it like it was yesterday. I just erupted in tears uh, when I saw it. That little heartbeat on the sonogram is now 18 years later graduating high school with honors, unlike his dad, so, and starting to study toward his vocation. As the good Lord would have it, he is flanked today on both sides by two lovely ladies, amen? The only guy, two ladies, praise Jesus. Juliana Romano and Katie Stocks, whose parents are probably equally as nervous and happy as I am. Amen? Amen. I've been in ministry since the late 90s, and it has been a long-standing custom in all the churches that I've served that we recognize and honor uh, at the academic achievements and life stage transition that our church families experience. So today is that day. So in the life of Parkway Baptist Church, as we recognize and encourage Juliana Romano, Katie Stocks, and Logan Hazard, amen, hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Outstanding. Outstanding. So you may ask, what is the purpose of this brief time that we have, graduate recognition? Uh, well, the, in my mind, it's to place a memory, graduates, in your heart and in your mind on which you can reflect when the hard knocks of life or Satan and his legions try to convince you that you are not loved and that you are not special and that you are not cared for. And as we all know, those times will come, amen? They will come, and, and more times than we like to admit. So we dedicate a Sunday morning worship to you to let you know that we as the church love you and deeply care about you. Are we perfect? Can I get a witness? Are we going to make mistakes? Are we gonna miss important dates? Yes, but nonetheless, if we know there's a problem, we will respond. We will, that is the way the church always is. You have a church family that is here and ready at a moment's notice to activate, to come by your side for life's most challenging moments. So today will involve some practical advice that I always like to give based on experience, and then the scripture uh, will come later. So both of these blended together hopefully will, will help you on your way. And I, and I, I share my failures um, as, a, as a man just because um, I don't have to pick on anybody else, I can pick on myself. And nobody knows your failures much better than you, amen? Don't you know your failures? Yeah, so what I wanna do, two things. First thing is I wanna give you, if I could, go back in time, right? 
Uh, raise your hand if you could live life over again, specifically from maybe the time from high school graduation to maybe the time you were saved or just, just some, some mixture of that would change some of the things that you did. Would you amen me? Uh, yes, uh, me, me as well. So I just want to give you just a few things that, that, that if I could go back and still marry Angie and still have the kids I have and all that, but if I could go back and relive life, what would I do differently? And there's just a few things. The first thing that sticks out in my mind, and I have those of you that um, have been attending here regularly since I've been here, you've heard me say this before, because I do have a deep grief in my heart about this. Uh, and even though they are both deceased, uh, it, it never leaves my mind. It, the Lord brings it back to me all the time. And that is uh, the way that I treated my parents uh, when, when I came into adulthood from around the 18-year-old mark and a few years coming into that, and definitely in my early 20s until I was about 26 and came to know Christ. If, if I could go back and relive, oh, the changes that I would make. I mean, it just, it horrifies me sometimes to live in the skin that I live in today and think about the things that I did to them, the way that I lied to them, the way that I stole from them. I, I mean, I, I could sit here, I, I could do a series, a preaching series for hours and tell you the number of ways uh, that I was a rebellious, uh, troublesome son to my, to my parents. I mean, it was like when I left for college, all of a sudden I turned into the, now some of y'all will know what I'm about to say, some of you won't have a clue. It's like I turned into the Tasmanian devil. Who knows who the Tasmanian devil is? Yeah, Looney Tunes aren't out there. I can't find them anywhere. You got YouTube them. They're not even on TV anymore. But, but, but I, it really was. I mean, I just, blah, 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 blah. you know, when I left home, I, I just went absolutely crazy with unrestricted funds for whatever I wanted to do. I mean, and as I said, I could spend several hours building a narrative that would have your mouth dropped open if I told you everything that I did from the moment I graduated high school to the moment I got saved with my family caught in the crossfire, constantly having to rescue me and pick up the pieces. I mean, I would be terrified to know this day how much money I cost my father. I would be terrified to know. I, I don't know. I've tried to put a pen. I've tried to put a pencil to it a couple of times, and and it just it just there's just no way to estimate it. it. I would be terrified to know just how many lies I actually told them. I mean, I don't think I began to tell the truth until I got saved. And after I got saved, the truth became very important. But before that time, there was some element of manipulation and deception in everything that I told them to get what I wanted. I mean, that's how dark my heart was. I would also be terrified to know how many nights my mother paced the floors wondering if I was dead or alive. Where was I? Who was I with? What was I doing? How many fights did I cause in my parents' life? How much did they worry because of me and my decisions? Then when I hit my mid-20s, God's mercy and grace showed up, gave me a Mike Tyson knockout punch. And it was like, what, what have I done? It was just this moment where it just all came crashing down. And it was like, what have I done to my family? Living the way I have lived and making the decisions I have made for the past several years. And from that moment forward, it was not easy. It was very difficult. 
but I lived my life for him and I sucked it up and I started telling the truth and I began to try to make amends to my family and friends and those I had hurt. So number one, I would respect and obey my parents. Number two, I would listen to the wisdom of those older than you. You know, it's something about being 18 or 19 years old. All of a sudden, what do you know about? I, I mean, you are an expert on everything. Hadn't paid a whole lot of taxes yet. Can I get a witness? But, but you know everything about everything. And anybody with a little gray or a little ball spot on their head is a total what? Idiot. I mean, just idiot. Out of touch. Don't understand and I was there. I didn't listen to the wisdom of those that were older than I was. It's my experience that the older generation does not trust the younger generation and the younger generation does not respect the older generation. And what we do not understand for, for whatever reason is that we desperately need each other, amen? The older generation needs the younger generation and the younger generation needs the older generation. There is no question about that. And how do we know that's true? How did God design the family? For the older generation to nurture the younger generation. It's clear as a bell. But the world gets in there and just tears it all to pieces. God has organized this to where we can share information with each other and help each other. But the enemy has tried to separate us every chance he gets. You know, just the other day, I, I found out that a long-time family friend had died from our hometown. And I mean long-time family friend. Knew him from the time I was just a little boy. Bought children's clothes, bought all our clothes from this one place. And, and my knee-jerk thought was, when I heard the man's name that he had died, my knee-jerk thought was, I need to call dad and tell him about this and maybe he can shed some light on that for me. And then what did I remember? He's gone. That wisdom that was in his heart and in his mind is no longer accessible to me because he is no longer alive. And it was just this moment of reality. That man that died was a lifetime friend of our family and was always helpful and would respond to us in a moment's notice. And now he's gone, not replaceable. Do not disregard someone because you think there is no way they could possibly understand me. Don't ever disregard someone that's older or younger. Everyone has some bit of wisdom that they can share with you. But specifically when you are young, seek the wisdom and experience and knowledge of the old. Don't think they're out of touch and don't know what they're talking about because I can assure you they do. They really do. Number three, I would beg, well, let me start over. I, I would not get involved in the partying lifestyle. For numerous years, numerous years, I lived, lived in nightclubs, lived in them, pursued my favorite bands, which is Yes, great musicians, but the culture that follows it is not healthy, and we know that. But that was the lifestyle that I led for years and everything that goes along with that. And I lived this from 1987 to 1997, and I'm telling you, it almost put me and my parents in the grave, in the grave. 
There was a car accident I had one time where I ran a truck off into a ditch and almost drowned, totaled the car out. Thank God nobody else was involved. But to this day, I wonder why God preserved me from that moment. But if I had not been participating in that lifestyle, I would not have had that wreck and gone into that ditch that night. I would have been home in bed asleep in Cleveland, Mississippi. I stayed in trouble with the law, cost myself and my family thousands and thousands of dollars, not to mention the damage I did to my mind and body during that time. I embarrassed my family. I sinned against God. So I would stay away from the partying lifestyle. Just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. Stay away. It looks exciting. It looks glamorous. It looks at all those things. It's very enticing. But death exists there. Death. It will suck the life right out of you. It will capture you before you know what hit you. And before you know it, you will be in your 40s and addicted to a mood-altering substance and be surrounded by thieves that are waiting for you to fall. So stay away from the partying lifestyle. Next, I would have stayed in church. Now, you've heard somebody say something today about that, amen? Who was that? Who said that multiple times in his speech? Logan Hazard, that's because he's heard me say it to him since he was old enough to speak. You're gonna stay in church your whole life. You're gonna stay in church your whole life. You're gonna stay in church your whole life. Why? Because I didn't stay in church my whole life. Because I didn't serve Christ with my life for, for a large percentage of it when I was younger. And I know the damage that it caused. Stay in church. My family dropped out of church when I was in ninth grade and really never went back as a family. And leaving the church made a drastic difference in our lives. Even if you're not super Christian and don't carry a Bible, just the practice of showing up for Bible study and worship does something to you. God's grace flows through this place to the hearts and minds of other believers and just coming in here and being present is can be life-changing to you life-changing to you staying in the fold of God is beneficial for you and those you love Angie and I have remained in the church since we met and it's made a huge difference in our lives now I'm going to tell you what there have been hard times can I get an amen the church is full of what perfect people right Perfect, loving, honest, sincere people. No, no, there's, there's, there's people that don't need to be there, obviously. That means mean Satan puts tears in the church to try to tear it up. But there are some of the most godly, wonderful, genuine, sacrificial people you will find on earth clustered up in these churches week in and week out. There's many of those right here at Parkway Baptist. Amen? Amen? Okay. So I would have stayed in church. So graduates, listen to me. Wherever you go and whatever you do, find a Bible preaching church and stay there. Stay there. Be faithful in giving, be faithful in serving, and look at it from a long haul perspective. There's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs. Churches are living organizations. There's going to be times when the pews are packed out. There's going to be times when it's thinned out. But overall, God is still there, amen? Still there, still working. One more thing before we go to the text. Um, if I could go back 
and do it all over again, I would have had much better self-discipline in my life. What do I mean by that? When you with people, yes, sir, no, sir, amen? Yes, sir, no, sir. When you're told to be somewhere at a specific time, what time do you get there? 10 minutes early, 10 to 15 minutes early. Why? Because technically being on time is what? Late. Exactly. Self-discipline. Keep a watch on your cars. Keep a watch on your house. Pay your bills early. Be to work on time. Be, 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 submit yourself to the authority of your boss, even if you hate them. Amen? And that's tough. You ever been there? Who's been there before? Had a job you hated. Right. You are not serving him. The Bible says as believers, who are we serving in our jobs? God. He will take care of him. You submit to the authority structures that are in your life. So better self-discipline. Take life seriously. Read more than you watch TV. Be more interrelational in scope than screen time. And get off TikTok! Can I get an amen? <laughs> Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Shut it down. Trump was right. TikTok's evil. I want to burn it all. I want to burn it down. I want to burn it down. Every time I spot check my kids on their phones, what are they doing? Watching TikTok videos. Every time. Okay. So, to recap, I lost my train of thought. TikTok just got me all bent out of shape. If I could go back, respect and obey my parents. Listen to the wisdom of those older than you. Don't get involved in the partying lifestyle. Stay in church and have much better self-discipline. Amen? Now the text. Go to 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. I'm only going to expound on just the first couple of verses. What is the context of 1 Timothy? You know, I always like to give you the context. Timothy was a, was a younger man that Paul, most scholars believe that Paul came across him on one of his first missionary journeys. And Timothy heard the preaching of Paul and got saved. And from that point forward, if you have read any of the New Testament letters, you will find that about half a dozen of them have Timothy's name listed in the salutation or included in the letter somehow in, as, as, as a beloved child. Or, and so, so Paul is taking Timothy along as his protege and training him as an upcoming pastor, training him for the worst he will experience in the church. And so before Paul dies, as Paul begins to get older and, and when he, before he realizes, you know, when he realizes he's about to die, he, these two letters are kind of his last will and testament or his instruction to, to Timothy before he dies. First Timothy, we think, came a little earlier and then second Timothy was, was when he was really close to it. And so he writes these instructions. They are not long letters. They are not long letters, but it does contain some of the most controversial teachings in the scripture, and that is why many people stay away from them. You, 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 will, find, you will find people in culture today that will not accept Paul's scripture, will not accept Paul's writings because some of them are so controversial. But we accept them because what do we believe about Paul? He was an apostle called of God, and that his writings are equal to their all, they're all God's word. So we listen to Paul's teachings and we obey them because he, he wrote on behalf of God. 
So in this particular letter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, he is trying to encourage Timothy because when you read these letters and you, you hear the heart that Paul speaks about Timothy, it seems like Timothy was, was timid and fearful and maybe lacked a little confidence. And we all struggle with that when we're younger, amen? Because we don't know. We haven't lived that long just yet. And so we need, we need someone to encourage us and someone to train us and someone to help us because we don't know all the ins and outs. When you start a new job, what do they do with you when you start a new job? What do they, what do, they do for the first, if you've never done that type of work before, what do they do for the first several months when you're there? What do you get? Training. So that is what Paul is doing to Timothy. Training him in gospel ministry encouraging him, teaching him to not be fearful of what is to come. And so he says in verse 11, command and teach these things. So Juliana, Katie, and Logan, Paul is speaking directly to you through this passage. And this is what he says to you, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Stay in church, in other words, right? Immerse yourself in them so that they all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You do know, brothers and sisters, that, that where they are right now in life, our graduates, the statistics show that it is more than, than 80, 60 to 70 to 80% probable that most graduates that are in church when they graduate college, where do they slowly never return? Exactly. Exactly. It is undeniable. You can go out to the internet and do your own research and you will see that it is absolutely true. All kind of different reasons why that's true, why that's happening, that we don't have time to go into today. But Paul is encouraging Timothy and Timothy is encouraging us by responding to Paul's Timothy and maintaining gospel ministry through his entire life as far as we know. So let's look at these. Command and teach these things. Command and teach these things. Use your God-given authority as believers in the proper way and assert these things as true. They are commands of God and they, these graduates and us, we represent God. That's why he can say that to Timothy. Command these things. You represent God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must command these things and teach them. But one thing that we often forget is to use authority the right way. Amen? Use authority the right way. Use it in the correct spirit. Use it out of a genuine heart of compassion and not a desire to dominate and rule over those that, those that are in your care. That's what that means to not dominate and rule, but to love and to serve and to lead. When authority and the commands are used the right way at the right time, they yield a wonderful harvest for the kingdom of God. That is true, that is, there's, that is an undeniable fact. And of course the converse is true. If you use it the wrong way at the wrong time in the wrong spirit, it can be devastating, devastating to the church of Jesus Christ. 
We have seen that, have we not? Have we not seen gospel leaders that and ruling and more CEO types tear churches apart. I study about them every other day. We are servants, not the boss. We lead by example, not by ruling and dominating, but by serving. If you wanna be first, what did Jesus say? You have to be what? Right, exactly. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. Live in a way that when people see you and realize how young you are, that they are surprised how mature you are for your age. You ever heard somebody say that? That was never said about me, by the way, okay? That Shelby Hazard's really mature for his age. That was never said, okay? But you've heard young people talk like other adults talk about young people like, man, you know what? That young man is really mature for his age. That's basically another way of saying what Paul is saying. Let no one despise you for your youth. In other words, somebody pulls up, they step out of the car and they're real young and they're about to do something important for you and what do you do? Oh no. Or, or you go to the doctor's office and you realize that the surgeon that's about to work on you just graduated from where? <laughs> Medical school, right? And you're like, oh, no. I want the old dude that's got 4,000 surgeries under his belt, right? Well, not if the guy graduated in top of his class and was a really good student and doing really well. That's who I want working on me, amen? So Paul says, let no one despise you for your youth. And one of the ways that you do that is what he says next. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, lost my place, sorry. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. So set the believers an example. Set all the believers, all of them, old and young, live in such a way that all believers will say, hey, that young man, that young woman, they really have it together spiritually for their age. It is amazing how they live. They are the real deal. That's what you want people on the outside saying about you as a Christian. They wanna see the love and the grace of God flow from you. And they wanna see it in these different things. They wanna see it, Paul says, in speech. And that word in Greek is logos, which is also the word that John used to describe the pre-incarnate Christ, so it's a pretty important word. Logos, how you communicate. How you communicate is very important. How do you use your speech? Do you use profanity? Do you speak clearly? Do you make eye contact when you speak? Do you have a pleasant way about you and how you talk? Do you use your tongue to build others up? Do you use your tongue to speak the truth? Is your tongue and your speech being trained by the scriptures? Or is your tongue and your speech being trained by TikTok? Which one? unless the TikTok videos are obviously Christian and godly. Has anybody seen that? I haven't. Y'all can't play. (laughs) Conduct is next. What is the content of your daily behavior? Now this goes beyond speech to action. I mean, let me ask you a quick question. And this is not just for the graduate, this is for everybody. Would you be okay if I took my camera on my smartphone right now and took the keys to about half a dozen y'all's cars and went out there and took pictures of the inside of your car and put them on the internet? Yes or no? I would call that a no, amen? I would call that a no. 
All right, what about if I took this same camera and I went to your home and took pictures of every room in your house? How about that? No thanks, same here. Conduct, how are you living your life on a daily basis? Are you living your life as a sluggard? Are you living your life in gospel truth and self-discipline? Maximizing the use of your time that you have. Spending more time talking interrelationally than on a screen. Making sure that you're thinking about the day that's coming before and the day that's coming after and the week that's coming after and the month's coming after. Because who is the perfect planner of the whole universe? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And who has his image in, 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 in the, we have his image in us. Therefore, we should be excellent planners. And I'm preaching to myself as well as everybody else. But conduct, how do you conduct yourselves? How do you live? Do you go to bed at a decent hour and get rest so you refresh the next day? Are you on time with your commitments? Do you respect those in authority over you? Do you show your parents respect? You know, there was a song written about that. You know that? Can y'all say it for me right quick? R-E-S-P-E. Are y'all afraid? What's wrong? <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Right? Yeah. Life age, you like that? <laughs> Do you know? Who's the person that made that song famous? But you know, a man wrote it. Did you know that? A man wrote that song. Are you showing those in authority over you respect? Conduct. Because if there's one thing that a Christian should exemplify, what is it? Conduct, submission to authority. Now, there are times you rebel, right? I mean, we're, we, we've, been rebelling, we've been rebelling against abortion in, since 1973. We've been rebelling peaceably against that. There are things that you peaceably rebel against when the authority, instead of rewarding good and punishing evil, punishes good and rewards evil, then you rebel. But most of the time, as Christians, we respect and love and submit to the authority structures in our life because who was our prime example of doing just that? Jesus Christ, who submitted to the will of his Father and went to Calvary's cross to die for the sins of the world. He could have called a legion of angels, but his Father said, go, son. And he went. Conduct. Love. The term here is agape. Make sure we get this definition right. Love is part feeling. Would you agree with that? Love is part feeling. But it's a feeling that is compelled by truth and commitment. Can you amen that? So it's not this, we have the wrong idea. You've heard me just stomp this and send it back to hell where it came from, right? We have a, 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 we have a wrong understanding of love. We think love is all feeling, all erotic, just the warm and fuzzies. I'm going to tell you what, that ain't what sent Jesus to Calvary's cross. Agape love, sacrificial, life-giving love. To die in someone else's place, that is what Jesus took to Calvary's cross, was agape love. And that is the love that the world needs to see from our graduates and all of us in the church. 
self-sacrificial love. It is the type of love that is sacrificial in nature, that will give up an entire Saturday to serve and help someone. Amen? You've got your plan that you want to do on Saturday, but somebody comes up in need, somebody needs help, so you say, you know what? My plans can be put on hold. I'm going to go serve and help somebody. That type of love. It's the kind of love that is more concerned about the needs of others than their, than, than their own. It does not insist on its own way. It doesn't brag. It's patient and kind. It does not want what other people has. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Did you hear 1 Corinthians 13 in there? That's biblical love, and that's what the world needs to see. Two more, then we'll be done. Faith. Faith. Logan, Juliana, and Katie, Faith, you talked about it in all of your videos. Complete trust and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To believe the Bible is true and accurate and to build your life on its contents. Regardless, listen to me very carefully, because you're about to enter the world and you're kind of there already. Regardless of what dynamic personality comes along with their big words and their fancy promises and tries to pull you away from the word of God because it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. They might use money, they might use power, they will use the same tactics that Satan used on Jesus during the 40 days that he was in the wilderness. They will come to you and they will do everything they can to try to lure you away slowly or quickly from gospel truth. Pull you away from your faith and invite you into a world of the flesh. Do not do it. Stay anchored in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ through your faith. Purity, last one. The state of constant resistance to moral corruption. Don't indulge in any form of carnality. Keep a proper biblical worldview and resist the tidal wave of perversions that are dangled in your face on TV and in secularism every day. Resist it, don't participate in it, and try to influence others away from it. Again, TikTok. You know what I mean? TikTok. Let's scrub it from the world. Amen? Amen. So once again, the words that we focused on, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, Paul's final words to Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which is given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I want to do one final thing before I close. Everyone that came here today in honor of our graduates, uh, parents, grandparents, friends, would you please stand so we can recognize you briefly? Give you all a minute to stand. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. You may be seated. Now I will pray, and I believe we have a brief time of response, and then Clayton will come um, at the very end and recognize them with a gift from the church and read your, read your bios briefly. Let's pray. Would you please stand? 
Father, we thank you so much for what we've heard today out of your word in 1 Timothy. Father, we thank you for these graduates, the wonderful lives they have in front of them. Lord, we know that you have always, your word is very clear that they are your workmanship and you have already, already set a pathway for them. We pray that you would help us to stay at their flank on the left and to the right and help fend off the world and walk with them, Lord, as you mature them and, and uh, take them into their vocations, Lord, and to grow them, Father. And we are just so privileged to be a part of their lives. And we pray that if anyone today has heard this and come to repentance and faith, Lord, they have an opportunity to respond. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Sing, heart of worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's a worth that will bless your much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for
Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have announcements? Maybe seated. We got a couple. Uh, we're going to do their bio, and then uh, I'll just tell you what we're giving them. We got them uh, a nice ESV study Bible with a journal and a pen uh, just to remind them and help them on their journey uh, and their next steps. So we, we like doing that because it's a, it's a great resource for them as they head off to college. It has a lot of good articles, and uh, it's a very helpful study Bible. And I feel like this is the, the next part in graduating is studying, and I'm getting a lot of feedback. Did any move over somewhere, or is it just my booming voice? Uh, yeah. Booming, yeah. All right, we're going to start with Katie Stocks. She's graduating from Motlow Community College with an associate's favorite hobbies are fishing, woodworking, being around family, and spending time with her dog and listening to Christian music and thrift shopping. Career plans are to eventually open up a little store, uh, running a business, selling wood projects. Um, that's her plans, but God may have other plans. She currently works at Hobby Lobby as a department head and customer service manager. Uh, yeah, give her a hand. Uh, and then we have next uh, Logan Hazard graduating. Uh, he graduated May 14th from Priestlick Academy. He was homeschooled 10 out of the 12 years of his academic training. Uh, he began homeschooling journey from birth through ninth grade, spent 10th and 11th grade at Smyrna High School where he enrolled in Bethel University and was chosen for membership in the National High School Scholars. He came back to homeschool his senior year and attended classes at Priest Lake Academy as well as working 30 plus hours a week. Logan has always enjoyed working with his hands and has a natural aptitude for building and fixing things. Since he was a child, he showed interest in cars and helped his dad restore Jeeps, repair the family vehicles, and watch TikTok videos. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help myself. That's not in there. Logan began his next phase of school on May 3rd and being accepted in the Tennessee College of Applied Technology, where he's currently enrolled in attending classes in the automotive technology program. Give him a hand. Next, we have Gianni Romano is graduating from Stewart's Creek High School with her double pathway in criminal justice and theater. She is graduating with distinction due to being awarded in the top 25 in the state for acting twice as well as for participating in uh, winning multiple mock trials. She'll be attending Motlow State Community College to participate in the Tennessee Promise Scholarship. She'll be studying psychology and criminal justice as she continues participating in community theater. She hopes to make acting a career but keeps forensic psychologist as a backup. She would not be here without the grace of the Lord. So give him a hand. And we'll just give them out. Uh, two of them are for the young ladies and the other one is for Logan. And, and they all cost the same, so it's not, don't. I just couldn't find them all the same size, but no one got spent more money than the other. Like my grandma at Christmas who one time gave me $2.37 in an envelope because I had different socks. <laughs> so 
We will. So I don't want you to think anybody was left out or harmed in this graduation. I know some of you are concerned about that justice and it was upheld. Um, let's, let's pray. Where do you go from here, Clayton? You just, this, wow. Uh, we're going to pray for them and we're going to pray. Um, in fact, if uh, their families will come join them, we're going to pray over them too. Uh, because this is a big step and we want to, you know, and you know, I know in light of the, the world being weird, what it is, we're just going to have you point your hands towards them because I don't want everybody being around breathing on each other. So in a minute, we're just going to stand up and point our hands towards them, get with your family. And uh, if you'll stand up with me, let's pray over these graduates and pray that God will protect them, keep them in church and off TikTok. And, um, and <laughs> I'm going to pay for that. Uh, and, and that God would use them to change the world because he loves using young people to do profound things. And sometimes I think we don't have enough expectations for them. And these young people are special and bright and wonderful. So if you'll just point your hands out, we're going to pray for them. Father, I pray over these graduates that you would protect them and guard them. And, and Lord, that you would bless all their days and that they would remain faithful to you. That they would be a symbol of a generation that's turning back to you. That you would use them not just for a career or to make money or to have things, but to show your glory in all that they do. We are grateful for these young lives and how they have been prayed over, invested in, and that they have had parents and friends and family who have fought alongside them to make sure that this day happens. And it is a beautiful and wonderful moment. And we praise you for how far you have brought them. And yet, we also thank you for the story you're yet to write with their lives. And I pray that it'd be a beautiful one. And I pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I think we are going to transition into business meeting. So, uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. So if you'll go get your kids, uh, we'll take a five-minute recess, let our guests leave.